All right, so I want to start with a real quick story to kind of set everything up. Uh, in ni- or, uh, 19, in 2006, um, I was, uh, March of 2006, how many uh, NCAA basketball fans we got in the house? Anybody? Raise your hand. There's a few, all right? Um, I'm becoming more of a basketball fan because that's, that's because my football team just isn't doing real well, so I'm ready for basketball season already. Uh, but uh, anyway, in 2006, um, just, I'm a huge college sports, really just any sports fan. I love uh, sports altogether. I mean, when I was a kid, we used to, any of y'all used to like wad paper up and shoot it in the trash can from across the room? Is that just me or anybody else did that? Some of the ladies are nodding their head. Men, come on now. We got we to gotta get with this, all right? Um, we are, uh, in 2006, somebody calls me up and he says, hey, would you, what are you doing this weekend? It was a it was a Friday. He called me on a Friday. He said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, I really nothing. Probably just going to sit around the house and watch the NCAA tournament on TV. He says, he says, well, how would you like to go? And I was like, yeah, man, like you got tickets. And he's like, I got two tickets and I can't go. And so if you want them, you can have them. And so they had a, the NCAA tournament had a, had one of their regional deals in Jacksonville, Florida. I lived about an hour and a half, and, and so I had an extra ticket, and so I was trying to figure out, okay, now who am I going to take? So I call up, uh, many of you know Buddy Nobles, uh, who was our uh, coach here who recently passed away. Uh, Buddy Nobles was living in Florida at the time, and he and I were close friends, and I called him up and said, hey, man, what you doing tomorrow? He said, I don't know, probably watching the NCAA tournament on TV. I said, how would you like to go? And he says, like, yeah, for, for real? He's like, yeah, man, I got two tickets, and I got, one, I got one, and I need somebody else to take the other. And he's like, man, let's do it. So we jumped in the car. We drove up there, and, and it's interesting because we go in, and we've got these tickets, right? And we're walking around, and, and, you know, when you go into sort of a stadium or an arena that you're not comfortable with or used to, and you kind of walk, and you're looking at the section numbers, and you're looking at your ticket, and you're looking at the section numbers, and we're just walking around all the way around the concourse, and finally we come around the corner, and, and we look, and here's the number that matches our ticket. The problem is there's these glass doors and this really fancy dressed up guy standing in front of those doors checking tickets. And I looked at Buddy. He looked at me. We're like, no, there's no way we get to go in there and watch the basketball game. Sure enough, we walked out and we said, hey, are these where we're supposed to be sitting? He said, yeah, come on in. There's food in here. Like, you guys help yourself. Grab all you want. Like, are you serious? Like, did I just die and go to heaven? And like, we're, so then when we walk in, it's like, we're, we're only like, I don't know, maybe, maybe 15, 20 rows up off the court, mid-court, sitting around all the like ex-players and all this stuff, and we're just like in heaven, man. This was amazing. Florida was playing that day, which made it even better, and um, I remember we get done watching the Florida game, and I can't even remember who they played. It was a really small school. Um, we get done watching that, but then afterwards, um, LSU is going to play Texas A&M, and we're thinking like, well, um, we didn't know. I mean, like, we're newbies to this whole thing. So we're like, well, I guess our game's over. So we were kind of walking out, like, I wonder if we could stay for this game. So we asked the guy who was at the door, said, sir, um, like, we, we just watched this game. Can we watch the next one? He says, yeah, man, this ticket gets you in all day. And we're like, whew, man, this is awesome, man. More food, more free food, more. I mean, it was just incredible. And I tell you that story because that day we got a whole lot more than we ever expected. I mean, I was just thinking, we're going to get one basketball game. I'm pro- the closest bathroom where I'm going to be sitting is probably going to be in the blimp, but I'm in the building, so it's okay. And, man, we were just excited to be in there. But we got more than we expected that day. Free food, center court, down low, right near the court. I mean, it was just incredible. And we got to watch two games. And that day, just, I mean, to add, like, the, 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 the icing on the cake was uh, LSU won on a buzzer beater. At the, I mean, kind of just... Just true March Madness fashion, it was unreal. Unfortunately, we often find ourselves on the other end of that deal. 
We don't, I mean, in life, we don't often find ourselves on the end of, we got more than we expected, right? I mean, in life, we often find ourselves more on the end of, I didn't quite get what I expected. Things just didn't work out the way I thought they were going to work out. Perhaps, perhaps it was a product that you purchased, you know? You had these high expectations. There was something that you bought. You stayed up late one night. Somebody was selling knives. One of them would cut through a can, and you said, I got to have those things. The problem is, is you bought it, and the knife would cut through the can. The problem is the steak knives that came with it wouldn't cut through a steak. So you're disappointed in your product. Or perhaps it wasn't the product. Maybe it was the company that sold you the product. One of the things that is just extremely frustrating for me, and I don't know if this bothers you at all, but it just bothers me. You buy a product from a company, you spend good money for it. And then when there's an issue with the product, and there's not a manual that can help you with it, you go to their website. When you get to their website, you're looking for a phone number because I don't know about you, but when something's messed up and it's not working right, I want to fix it now. Like, I don't want to wait 20 years from now. I want to fix it now. So you go into their website and there's no phone numbers listed. If you have, if you have a problem with our product, just shoot us an email. We'll get with you in timely fashion. Well, I don't know, what, I don't know how they define timely, but their timely is not my timely, okay? Like, I want it now, and it's usually like days or sometimes weeks later before you ever hear back from them. It's like, I want to talk to someone on the phone. And so maybe you're, maybe you're I, got, I didn't get quite what I expected, didn't have so much to do with the product as it did maybe with the company that sold you the product. Or perhaps, perhaps when you're, I didn't quite get what I expected, when, you're, when your expectations didn't meet your experience, maybe, maybe that was in a person. You ever had people fail you? You ever had people let you down? I mean, maybe it was, maybe it was your spouse. Maybe your, uh, maybe your children let you down. I mean, they're cute as can be, and they'll make you smile and laugh, and you'll have a good time with them, but our, sometimes our, our kids don't, don't do what, you know, kind of our expectations were, and maybe that's some of us as parents. We've got to figure out our expectations, right? I mean, your, your kid, I'm sure your kids are, are geniuses, and, but sometimes, you know, kids do make mistakes. I mean, Maybe perhaps as parents, maybe we could maybe cut our teachers a little slack because maybe the teacher wasn't the issue. Maybe it could have been your cute little kid that was in class who never does anything wrong. I get it. But maybe he was just having a bad day. How about maybe your, maybe your unmet expectations came through another family member or a coworker, or perhaps, perhaps even your unmet expectations came through your boss or one of your supervisors or superiors. See, getting more than we expect is unfortunately um, an uncommon experience. And when we find ourselves in the position of getting less than we expected, frustration sets in. Um, and when we get less than we expected, it sends our hearts and our mind into a panic mode. Like when you don't get what you expected out of somebody and out of a situation or a circumstance or your job or whatever it is, you, our, our minds just go into like, hey, we got we to gotta go into repair mode here. There's certainly nothing wrong with reacting to problems. I mean, when problems arise, it's what we do. We react. We respond. And while there's nothing wrong necessarily with reacting to problems, what I don't know about you, but what I have found in my life, there's been a lot of times in my life that I haven't just reacted. I have overreacted. You guys down here can't say anything, okay? All right? We overreact. And instead of just simply... Um, having one of these moments where we've run off the road, we've gotten outside of the line a little bit, 
We, we get off the road and, and instead of just being off the road and easily pulling ourselves back into the lane, we overcorrect and we end up in the ditch on the other side or worse, hurting somebody else in the process. And so we have, this, we have these moments in life where it's not just a reaction thing, it's an overreaction thing. Think about it, if life has taught us anything, it's this. It's that big changes are rarely lasting changes. Think about it. I mean, what do we, look, we're getting ready to come upon it. I mean, here in just a couple of months, it's going to be New Year's time. What do we do at New Year's? Oh, we're going to make big changes this year. And we make big changes only, I think, statistically speaking, most of the New Year's resolutions are dead by Valentine's Day. What, what, what we know and what we have experienced is that big changes rarely make big differences. They usually don't last. Big changes usually don't give long-term results. <clears throat> and there's a guy named James Clear who wrote a book called Atomic Habits. If you ever uh, have an opportunity, buy it, get the audio version or get the hard copy version, whatever, whatever it is that floats your boat. But read Atomic Habits. James Clear writes this book. And here's one of the things that he says in, in his book. He, he points out that small daily changes can lead to the biggest long-term results, not the big, huge changes. By the way, that's not just a James Clear thing. By the way, that's the author of the book, Atomic Habits. It is also a Bible thing. In Joshua 1.8, listen, listen to what God tells Joshua as Joshua is getting ready to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. Here's what it says. It said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So what he's saying is like, look. Don't sit down and try to digest the whole law in one day, but you should, you should meditate on it day and night. Daily get into the word. Here's what happens sometimes in life. We, life gets just a little crazy, a little hairy, and then we want to go spend 12 hours in the Bible. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you spend 12 hours in the Bible, and then you don't touch it again for another year. I'm not so sure that that was a big difference maker for you. But the daily changes, he says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Then, what he's trying to teach us is then you will prosper. Then you will have good success. Why? The daily, the small daily devotions, the small daily commitment. Every single day, I'm going to get up and I'm going to hit repeat. I'm going to get into the Word of God. I'm going to let the Word of God Get into me. With that being said, let me bring into our view one more area that we have a tendency to feel like um, we are experiencing less than what we expected. And that area would be, and that category would be our faith. Haven't we all felt that? I mean, haven't, haven't we all been in the position of questioning church, maybe Jesus, maybe our lives in the context of what we believe versus what we have experienced in our faith journey. You know, there's that tension. So there's things that we believe over here. And then over here, we got this whole thing that we're experiencing. And somehow the, the what we believe isn't exactly matching up with what we're experiencing. And then there's this tension that exists and we feel like, okay, now I've got to do something. I've got to correct it. And so usually what happens is instead of reacting appropriately, we overreact and we make some drastic decisions which usually don't help very much. If you've, if you've been in church very much in your life, you've been taught hundreds of thousands of Bible verses and often felt hopeless and unfulfilled. 
We have felt the struggle and we felt the strange of what we've expected and what we've experienced. If, you've, if you haven't spent a whole lot of time in church, if you're kind of new to church, if you're checking the whole church thing out, I mean, you've experienced this too because you've seen people who come from a church background or maybe you yourself have heard some verses and you've heard some biblical teaching. Maybe you've got a coffee mug that has a Bible verse on it or you've had some Christian t-shirts. And you've been exposed just enough to know that what the Bible has taught and then what I'm experiencing, they're not matching up. And there's a struggle and there's a strain that exists in the middle of this. And I'm not really quite sure what I'm supposed to do with it. This is the spiritual equivalent of going off the shoulder of the road. I mean, when we experience these things, what happens is we go, okay, this thing's I'm not between the rails, I'm not between the ditches, I'm not in the lines, and something just isn't quite right. So we, we try to pull it back over, and when we do, a lot of times we overcorrect, and I've unfortunately seen so many people in church world and in the Christian life overcorrect. And here's what, here's what happens. When people overcorrect, they just give up on the church, they quit on the church, or worse, They just quit on Jesus. Like, this whole Jesus thing isn't working out for me, so I'm just going to go do my own thing. Or, hey, this whole church thing isn't working out. The people are mean. The people are judgmental. The people are whatever. Listen, that's not the church in the way God designed it. That's just unfortunate result of the sin being manifested through the people who are in the church. And we are all sinners, right? We are all sinners saved by grace. So sometimes it's the truth is, is that what we expect isn't going to match our experience. So what do we do? How do we get to a place in our faith where our experience is actually more than we expected? See, don't lower the bar. Don't lower the bar to go, well, you know, what I have been taught and what I've experienced up to this point, they haven't matched. I just want to get my faith to a place where it matches my expectations. And see, what I think is... Honestly, many of our expectations are so low, it's really easy to meet. What I want to ask you to do is raise your expectations of what your faith can do in your life and what our experience as followers of Jesus can be. And I think that's not what I want to do. It's really what Jesus wants you to do. And we're going to see that in today's text. So in in John chapter 11, I want to give you a little context and then we're going to look at the verses. The context is this, that um, Jesus had some friendships with some people. Mary, Martha, you, maybe if you're from a church background, you've probably heard their story, and a man named Lazarus. That's their brother. Lazarus has been sick. They send for Jesus. Hey, Jesus, the one you love. Hey, Lazarus, he's sick. So they send a messenger to tell him. The messenger tells him it's days later before Jesus arrives. And by the way, Jesus was not days away. And when he shows up, Lazarus is dead. Let's look in verse 17. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know That whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Okay. So, Martha Martha has a little bit of a problem. 
and Martha's problem is, I mean, we've, I mean, we've all been there, right? I mean, and I don't want to hash this too much because I talked about this a few weeks ago because this is one of the miracles of the seven miracles. This is the last of the seven miracles that we, that we covered in this series. So I don't want to get too deep into this, but I, I do want to point out the fact that Martha had expectations of Jesus. Jesus, this is the guy you love. This is one that you know well. And you didn't show up on time. And see, that's where we all, we live in that tension. Jesus, where were you when? Jesus, why is my heart so hurt? Why are church people so painful? And why is ministry so difficult? I mean, listen, we all live in that expectation. We all live in that, let me say this, we all live in that experience. I don't know that that's necessarily our expectation. Jesus shows up, Martha has a problem, and her problem is, um, her problem is intense, okay? Mary's, Martha's problem is intense, and I don't mean intense as in being marked by strain or suspense. I mean intense like this. Can, can we put this on the screen? I don't mean not intense, um, but I mean intense. Yeah, you can go to the next one. I mean intense, Martha's problem is intense, and intense I mean as a distinction of form and a verb to express distinctions of time or duration of the action or the state it denotes. See, Martha, her problem is intense, and we're going to see that here in just a minute. Martha believes that Jesus can help her, but notice what she says to Jesus, Jesus said, hey, your brother will rise again. Your brother's dead. That's your problem. That's your struggle. That's your strain. What you expected was me to be here so that he wouldn't die. But guess what? He's dead. But Martha, I need you to understand something. You, your brother will rise again. And watch what she says. She says to Jesus, yeah, I know. I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. In other words, what she is saying is, Jesus, I believe that you can help me. A long time from now, future tense, way out there. And while before we get very critical of Martha, let me just say this. Many of us have reduced our faith down to this. I make a profession of faith, I get baptized, and then one day I'm going to go to heaven. And that's all our faith becomes to us. And see, I would, I would suggest to you, if that is your understanding of the Christian faith, that the only thing Jesus is good for is to get me to heaven when I die, then you too have a tense problem. Martha believes that Jesus can help her, but it is a long ways off. Her heart is broken. Her expectation was that because of their relationship with Jesus, that Jesus would show up, he would come to the rescue, Lazarus would never die, everything in their life would be great, and they would get to celebrate the miracle of Jesus healing a sick man, but Jesus performs a much greater miracle because it happens on Jesus' time. The miracle of resurrecting someone from the dead is much greater than healing someone who is sick. And it never would have happened if it would have happened on Martha's time. But she believes that there is a future event that will come. And Jesus did not show her family situation enough attention. Or he did not arrive into her situation early enough 
to improve her experience. Now, her only glimmer of hope is in a future event. John eleven twenty five. Look at what how Jesus responds. I love this. Jesus said to her after she says, "Yeah, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection last day." Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection." And the life, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And I want to pause there. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus is going to sort of take a moment, and, and we've read this before, right? I am the resurrection of life. We get it. And what do we think of when we think of the resurrection of life? We go, oh, wait, hey, Easter, and then that gives us a picture of one day that we're going to be resurrected, and we're going to be in these resurrected bodies, and one day we'll be in heaven, and that's great, and that's true. He says, I am the resurrection, but there, it, notice there's a word there. He says, I am the resurrection and the what? What's the other word? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and Jesus is trying to grab Martha and go, listen, I am the resurrection, but I am also the life. I believe that many of the problems that we have with our faith journey are a product of the tense of our faith. When our only hope is a future event... We will not be able to find power in the present. When our view of our faith is that, well, there's a one day thing that's going to happen. We have no power in the present. And here's what happens to powerless people. Powerless people do dramatic and drastic things. They overreact and they overcorrect. Think about it. When you've been in your most difficult positions in life, obviously we went to God and prayed, but usually what happens if you're like me is we go to God and pray, then we just start making plans. How are we going to figure this out? How are we going to make this better? And when we do, when we begin to make our own way, when we begin to make our own plan, when we're in a drastic situation, we start making drastic decisions. And a lot of times what we do is we way over correct. Instead of helping the situation, honestly, oftentimes we, we do more harm than good. I mean, when was the last time your mouth got you into trouble? I see a lot of eye contact between spouses right now. When was the last time your fingers got you into trouble? I mean, it happens. We allow the moments that we feel crisis, we go, oh, man, I got to do something. And we overreact and we overcorrect. And when we do, life gets messier rather than better. So instead of only seeing our faith as a future hope, what I hope to do in these last couple minutes is to get you to change your perspective from seeing our faith as a future hope to something different. Our hope is not a future event. We're gonna put this up on the screen for you. Our hope is not in a future event. It is in a present God. I thought that would get a little bit better reaction, to be quite honest. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Chelsea. Our faith, if, if that's your view of Christianity, if that is your view of your faith, that the only good that my faith does me is that one day when I die, I get to go to heaven, then you have a really bad view of your faith because our hope, again, is not in a future event. It is in a present God. He is, thank you. He, you're learning. This side's getting it. The rest of you guys will, hey, look, you'll catch on. I'm just telling you. And when you experience this, when you experience that, 
That God is with you through everything that you go through. When you, when you get to a place where you can't do anything and then you see God work, it's in those moments that you'll go, yes, thank you God for being so present with me. That when I didn't feel like I could take another step, I couldn't, and you picked me up and you carried me. See, our, we have to get our eyes off of the future because here's what happens. When we look too far into the future, we get distracted by what's happening today. When we look way off in the future, our problem begins to be this thing of, well, I mean, think about it. If, if my hope is way, way out there years from now, and of course, none of us know when we're going to go. None of us know when God's going to call us home. I mean, goodness sakes, we have seen enough tragedy in our community just in the last couple of years to know that life, you, we're, none of us, no matter how healthy you are today, we are not promised tomorrow. And so when our, our hope is way out there, we begin to see, hey, what am I going to do today just to fill time until I get there? Rather than leaning into the person of Jesus who says, I, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Jesus does not say, I will be the resurrection and the life. What does he say? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying, I am right now. Martha, I know you just said, Martha, you did not just say that one day he'll rise again. Martha, I am the resurrection life. I'm standing right here. And then Jesus goes on to perform an absolute miracle in our life. But we need to grab onto the fact that Jesus does not say, I will be. He says, I am. Listen to several passages of scripture that should be hopeful and helpful in reminding us of the fact that God is with you. I don't care what you're going through right now. God is with you and he will be your source of strength if you will get your eyes off of the future and look to the present. Listen to this, Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength a very what present help in trouble hebrews 4 14 through 16 since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help what in time of need not in not in a, a future event not a long time down the road not one day when no in in your time of need psalm 91 14 through 16 because he holds fast to me in love i will deliver him this is god speaking now i will deliver him i will protect him because he knows my name when he calls to me i will answer him i will what be with him in trouble i will rescue him and honor him with long life i will what satisfy him and show him my salvation if you find yourself not satisfied it could be because you're looking to something else in this world to satisfy you rather than the God of your present Hebrews 13 5 keep your life free from love of money not free from money free from love of money Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, I will never what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus has promised, God has promised, he will be with you. And instead of worshiping a distant, far off God, we have got to change our viewpoint to go, now I wanna see God not as the I will be, but as the what again? 
the I am. I want to tell you um, real quick the Greek word for that word life when he says I'm the resurrection and the life. That Greek word is zoe. Everybody say zoe. And see, some of you didn't do it. You just are horrible at following instructions. I have no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Here's what that word zoe means. It means life real and genuine. A life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed. Man, don't you want a blessed life? I don't know about you, but I do. Man, I want to be blessed by God. And blessings, listen, don't confuse and mix up blessings with material things. Just because you can be blessed and not have any money. You can be blessed and, look, I've been to Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And those people would tell you we are are blessed. You ask, hey, how you doing? I'm blessed. Why? It's not because they have money or fancy houses or fancy cars or a lot of food. They don't have anything, any of the things that we have. But yet they are blessed. Why? Because they know that the I am is with them. Zoe. Life real and genuine. A life active and vigorous. Devoted to God. Blessed in the portion even in, even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ. John eleven twenty six, 26. Very important verse as we close. He finishes, so let me, I'm, I'm going to read 25 and then we'll read 26 as well. He says, I'm the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Big question right here for every one of us today. And the question is what? Not belief as an intellectual belief. Do you believe this with your life? Do you believe this? with your actions? Are you willing to begin today to step into the reality that there is a God who is present with you? He is the resurrection and life. Not the things of this world. He is the resurrection of this life. Listen, if, if, if the scripture tells us, right? I mean, we are, we are told, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And what do we do? We wake up every day and go, I'm going to go after all these things. And Jesus is like, look, if you have me, if you have me, guess what you have? Jesus doesn't perform miracles. He is the miracle. Jesus is the miracle. The reason that you and I can be reconciled to a holy God isn't because of a miracle that happened on the cross. It's because of the miracle who hung on the cross. That he, being God, comes to earth in flesh, gives up heaven so that he can die a death that you and I should have died in order that we may obtain a life that we should have never been able to obtain. Jesus did not come just to make your life better, though he did. I mean, I will always stand by Jesus. Following Jesus will make you better at life and will make your life better. But he didn't just come for that. And Jesus is not just good at making your life better. Jesus is better than life he's better so maybe 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 today maybe where our expectations and experiences don't meet maybe what we need to do is adjust our expectations experiences are just going to be experiences what we go through we're going to go through we're all going to deal with conflict in our families we're all going to deal with conflict in our jobs we're all going to deal with sicknesses and trials, and tribulations. We're going to deal with all these things. But maybe instead of trying to change our experiences, 
maybe we should shift our expectations from a faith that is a one day out there faith to a present day God is with me the I am is he is the resurrection and life and I'm going to lean into that and guess what happens then then once I have refocused and reshifted my thinking about how I see my faith to a present day faith when that happens then it changes how I go through my experiences see when I go through struggles God is with me when I go through struggles, I can read passages like Romans 8, right, where he says um, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I can read passages like James 1-2, where James tells us, count it pure joy when you face trials of various kinds. Why? Why would anybody rejoice over trials? Because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. It's like lifting weights. You go lift weights, what do you do? You lift weights, it hurts, and you're tearing your muscles down. But what happens? Your body builds them back up, and then later, because of your commitment to being underweight and submitting yourself to the weight, you're able in the future to lift more. And that's what God does for us. When we go through trials, he puts us underweight, and then later on down the road, there's a big trial coming. He says, I need to make you stronger here so that you can endure this over here. Maybe we just need to shape and reshape how we view our faith. It's not a one-day faith. It's a everyday, I'm gonna wake up and pursue God kind of faith. I am, he said. I am, not I will be. I am the resurrection and the life. Let's pray.